Hello everyone, and welcome back to Into the Fray. As always, I'm Daniel Marable. I'm Eli Kleinman. And our first segment for today is what we like to call Perfect Fits. So, the perfect landing spots for 2021 NBA prospects. It's a little bit too early to do a mock draft, so this is our best way of doing that. Um, I'll, I'll start off with my favorite because this absolutely needs to happen. And let me first say that I feel extremely qualified to be saying this because in my fairy tale class this semester, we've probably read about, I don't know, 20 different versions of Cinderella. Um, so I recognize a good fit when I see one, right? Uh, and let me tell you, if Jonathan Kaminga were a, a slipper, right? And let's say the Timberwolves were Cinderella's foot, right? This would be a perfect fit. In all seriousness, um, he fits into that like Kawhi Leonard mold, right? Uh, he's got a ton of potential, especially on the defensive end. And this is controversial, but I honestly believe he's the best prospect, or at the very least, has the most upside. And that's exactly the kind of guy Minnesota needs right now. Uh, I can't tell you exactly what's wrong with the Timberwolves. They they kind of need anything they can get. And Kaminga would really help them on the de on the defensive end. Uh, it would finally give the Timberwolves that power forward they've been looking for for years to pair with Towns. Uh, also, Kaminga will be playing in the G League for Ignite uh, in the bubble that kicks off, I believe, on February 10th. So that's coming up soon. We'll see what happens. But I think he's really going to surprise people and maybe just maybe compete for that first overall pick. Look, Jonathan Kaminga is a great player. Like an absolute, he will turn into a very solid and an NBA player. And he's going to be a top five pick. But Jonathan Kaminga doesn't really, in my mind, fit with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And here's why. So you have D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell's a good player. He's a point guard. He can make plays. He can also score. Then you have Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards has been shooting the ball quite well recently. But he wasn't really a shooter in college. He isn't really seen as a shooter. He's seen as an athletic shooting guard, small forward. And while Jonathan Kuminga is bigger than Anthony Edwards, he fits that mold of an athletic player who cannot really shoot. And that's a problem because this, the NBA currently is about shooting. Shooting, shooting, shooting. And without shooting, you're not going to win. And if you have your two wings both incapable of being knocked down three-point shooters, I see it being very difficult to be a successful team. You need someone on that team to knock down threes. And I'm not sure Jonathan Kaminga fits that role. Maybe there's no player in this draft who really does. I'm not sure there is. But I don't think Jonathan Kaminga is the right fit because of that lack of a three-point shooting. I see. I see Kaminga is more of a power forward, right, than a small forward. I know he kind of plays both, but he's a big guy. Um, and when you've got Towns shooting threes, Towns is probably the best three-point shooter. I agree. Their shooting's not good. And I'm not saying that Kaminga's a great shooter, but he has the tools to be a great shooter. We've seen a lot of guys come into the NBA like him, not as good shooters like Kawhi, and they've developed into extremely, extremely consistent, good three-point shooters. So I don't see how that won't happen with him. Here, here's what I would say is the good news for Jonathan Kaminga. There is some comparison to Jalen Brown from him, for him. And what I like about that comparison is it's right now it's all raw athleticism. And it's he's an athlete. He's not a basketball player. That's what Jalen Brown was coming out of town. So if Kaminga can 
develop like Jalen Brown, then I agree this would be a really solid pick because we see it this season. I mean, I, I would say this is Jalen Brown's biggest breakout season. He is not the leader on the Celtics because you still have Jason Tatum, but he is clearly the second best scoring option. And I think he's leading the team in points. At least yes. he was yes. early in the week. So if he can develop that way, I agree. He would be an excellent pick, but he does need to develop. He is a lot more athleticism than he is a skilled offensive basketball player. And that's, I think, what we'll need to see. And maybe we'll even see that while he's in the G League, which, like you said, could shoot him up the draft boards. So for me, I'll give you my first uh, pick, my first fit. And I looked at the Washington Wizards because you see some pieces. You have Bradley Beal. You have Russell Westbrook. They're solid players. They're not great. Great comeback victory over Brooklyn earlier this week. That was week. amazing. It's one of the most exciting finishes I've ever watched. Didn't watch it live, but watched it afterwards. But with their missing, and they have Rui Hachimura. Now they have Denny Avdija. They have some young players. They have some veterans on big contracts that they might even try to get rid of. What they're lacking is a big man inside. That player is Evan Mobley. And I was very skeptical about Evan Mobley until about two weeks ago. Evan Mobley early in this season was a center that would get 12 points, 10 rebounds, was very skinny, wasn't playing all that physical, not being very assertive. That's changed over the last two weeks. Stanford was the best example. He's going up against an upperclassman in Oscar De Silva one of the best players in the Pac-12, and he put up over 20 points and over 10 rebounds, a double-double, and it was just an impressive showing. He is playing more physical. He's not backing down. He's being assertive and taking these shots, and if he, and he's a solid shooter as well. He can step out and shoot the three, which is what you need from an NBA center. I really like how he's developed in college. And I think for a Wizards team that's lacking that big man, it would be a huge help because not only can he grab rebounds and be, he's a great defensive player as well. Let's not forget that. He's a great defensive player, but you have someone who can contribute on both sides of the ball in the one position they are really missing. Yeah, I love that fit. Uh, that's a per perfect fit. The Wizards are and have consistently been the worst defensive team in the league, right? And Mobley's a fantastic defensive player. He can guard the perimeter. He can uh, guard inside. He he averages like two, possibly even three blocks a game. Uh, the Wizards really haven't had a consistent, even semi-average starting center since, what, maybe Martian Gortat? Yeah, this is I a mean, guy they need. Martian, and what, didn't they have Martian Gortat and Nene together? Yeah. And they haven't had anything inside since then. Right. They no, need, it, yeah. it certainly it certainly will be interesting if he were to go there. I think it would be a good fit. And I that team really does depend on how what they do with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. I mean, I think those are the two biggest questions. And Bradley Beal this week said he wants to stay in DC. So it'll be interesting seeing how that goes forward. Right. And with Russ as not a good shooter and Evan being able to space the floor, um, that looks like even better of a, of a landing spot for him. Yeah, absolutely. So who's your second guy? Right, next up I've got um, Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga, and his perfect fit is the New Orleans Pelicans. And Suggs has proven that he can play with other stars at Gonzaga. Um, he'll fit perfectly next to um, 
guys like Zion and Ingram, uh, the Pelicans are really looking for that that third guy, right? Preferably a guard. We thought that'd be Lonzo. Uh, that hasn't worked out. And Lonzo's a restricted free agent this offseason. So if the Pelicans don't trade him uh, by the deadline, right, uh, it's possible they let him walk. And yeah. Eric Bledsoe obviously isn't any you know long-term plan or solution. So Suggs could slide right in there and take that starting point guard role. And, you know, he he's a combo guard, they like to say, but he's really more of a point guard, right? Um, he's got the versatility to play the shooting guard and even some small forward, which I don't like, but he does, um, which would work great even if New Orleans decides to re-sign Lonzo. Uh, Suggs is also going to bring great leadership to that team. He's a winner on the number one college basketball team by far. Uh, and the Pelicans desperately need that leadership right now. I mean, they've got up to like one of the worst shaky starts of the season. Very disappointing team right now. Absolutely. I, I think that's a great fit. I think what really helps is Jalen Suggs is an excellent shooter as well. Like you said, spacing that floor is going to be crucial because you have so much going on inside. You need to space it all out a little bit. Like Zion, you know, is not a shooter. Brandon Ingram can shoot, but that's not... He's an athletic small forward. I, I wouldn't say he's exactly a knockdown shooter, although he's very capable of it. I, I think Jalen Suggs is a, a very solid fit uh, on that team. I, through, I did consider putting Evan Mobley to the Pelicans because I think a center that could space the floor would also fit well there. I don't think he'll fall to the Pelicans. I don't think they're getting a top three pick, and I think Evan Mobley will go in the top three. So that didn't really make sense to me. So I think Jalen Suggs is an excellent pick. But – you know, speaking of where he goes, I'm not sure Jalen Suggs is going to fall to the New Orleans unless they can find their way up the lottery as they did for Zion. Right now, they're one of the worst teams in the West, right? Right now, they're projected to have around the fifth, fourth, sixth, around that area, right? And, yeah, you know, I could, see Suggs, I could see Suggs going as high as maybe three. I know some teams really like him. I could see him going as low as probably six. And that's it. I'm not sure he's going to fall out of the top three. I mean, if not, if he continues to play this way, because I think someone's going to want a point guard. Like you said, I, I see him as more of a point guard. Someone's going to want a point guard that does what he does. And so it'll be really interesting to see where he goes. But I agree that New Orleans would be an excellent landing spot for him. For me, my number, my second guy is Jalen Green and uh, let me speak about what I see in Jalen Green first. Jalen Green, similar to Jonathan Kaminga, lacks a little bit of shooting. But as a shooting guard, his potential, as his athleticism, is almost unmatched. I mean, very few prospects show what Jalen Green shows. And he's also going to the G League, so we will be seeing him soon, I believe, um, in the next, in the next, in soon, playing in the G League, which will be interesting to watch how he does there. But where I think he fits best is with the Orlando Magic, and here's why. So you just drafted a point guard. You have Cole Anthony. He is your future at point guard. You hope so. I mean, he was a first-round pick. I really liked him in North Carolina. You probably didn't because you don't like North Carolina, but that's fine. <laughs> He's a good player in North Carolina. He almost beat you twice because of him no, alone. No, he was extremely inefficient, and a lot of that was because of his team. His team was... Not good. It was not a good team to surround him, but he's a he's but, a fine player. I don't know. I, like if, I don't switch. know if he's a franchise point guard, but 
he could. You don't need him to be a franchise point guard. You need him to be a solid point guard, and he could a point be. guard he who can be. hit shots, who can make plays, and who's a good leader. And I think he provides all that. Then inside, you have Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic. You know, who knows? There's been talks that they'll move on from one, both. Oftentimes, around the trade deadline, we hear every oh, year. Gordon's, every year, yeah, we hear that every, every year. year. We hear and that Aaron Gordon or Nikola Vucevic is going to get traded. They haven't, so we'll see. But I can't draft someone inside until you get rid of one of those guys because it's already too clogged in the paint. And that's where I think Jalen Green comes in. He's a he's a wing. He's a shooting guard, but he's six six, so he can really play up a little bit if he needs to. And like I said, he's not the best shooter as of yet, but. He does provide that athleticism. He's a great scorer off the dribble. And he, he's really good without the ball as well as with the ball. So I think that's where he'll be helpful to the Magic. And, you know, he, like I said, sometimes in the NBA draft, you just have to pick athletes. And I don't think you're going to find much better of an athlete than Jalen Green. Yep. I, I actually like that pick too. And you're right. Those rumors about either Vucevic... Aaron Gordon, even Evan Fournier pop up every trade deadline. Maybe they do move on from Evan Fournier. Who knows how long he'll be there. Um, but, you, but you're right. Right now, what they need is scoring. Vucevic can st- score, but that's not really what he does. Uh, Fultz, when he comes back, isn't really much of a scorer. We don't know about Cole Anthony yet. He's not much of a scorer right now. So Jalen Green is projected to be one of the possibly the best scorer of this draft. So that's what you need. You take it. Absolutely. All right, next up, I've got Suggs' teammate, Corey Kispert, who's been shooting up draft boards. Uh, maybe it's because he reminds me so much of Clay Thompson, but I really do think uh, Kispert could be a perfect fit on the Warriors. He's ridiculously efficient, shooting over 57% from the field, 48 from three, and 90 from the line. That's insane. Uh, he's a senior also, which is something the Warriors are going to love. He's coming into the league with a bit more experience and ready to compete at a high level right out of the gate. Something the Warriors always love. Yeah, I mean, I I think he would be a great fit. The Warriors really do lack shooting, as strange as that sounds. That that is the one thing they don't really have. And they love to do it. Stephen Curry, and it, it fits their game style. So I think Corey Kispert would be an excellent addition to the Warriors. And, Everyone believes that Clay will be back and he will be able to play next season, but he's had two injuries that have kept him out of full season. So, you know, it will be interesting to see. It may not be a seamless process. We'll have we will have to wait and see with Clay Thompson to see how he returns. Obviously, everyone hopes for the best, and as a Warriors fan, I hope for nothing but the best. I hope for him to return to the form he was at, but I think Kispert would fit in quite well. You know, he's also 6'7", so he has good height. You know, it's not just guards who can shoot. You know, he would provide someone who could potentially even play a forward position and also shoot, so I think that actually is an excellent fit for the Warriors. The question will be is, does he fall far enough? Because if the Warriors are able to make the eighth seed, then I'm not sure Kispert's going to fall out of the lottery. I mean, like you said, he has picked up a lot of hype recently, so it'll be interesting to see, and the Warriors could always trade up if they find him as appealing as I think they should, but we'll see. Yeah, um, exactly what you said. I think we all expect Clay to come back um, as he was before, but even if he doesn't, I, I think Kispert would be a, a fantastic contingency plan. And, and And, you know, about him 
going high in the draft. I I don't know how many teams... He's the kind of guy every team's going to value, but like to what extent? I think the Warriors would value him above almost any other team. And I expect him to be about where the Warriors will fall. I don't know if the Warriors are going to make the playoffs. They haven't really shown the consistency. But, you know, I, I expect him... And if, I, and if he's there uh, and the Warriors are on the clock, I fully expect them to take him. Uh, I 100% agree with that. So, my next pick... It feels too easy. It doesn't feel right doing it, but I did it anyway because I wanted to let him... I wanted to put him on my list, and frankly, I, I don't see a better fit for him, but I also don't see a team that needs any more than this team. So the player I'm talking about is Cade Cunningham. Obviously, for those of you who don't know him, he's a point guard who goes to Oklahoma State. He is 6'8", though. I mean... The height is a little bit ridiculous for a point guard. You really don't think of a point guard being that tall. Although Sean Livingston was six seven, so you know he, he does resemble that type of height. But he's a great player, a great scorer. I think you know when you're looking to draft at the top of the draft board, you're looking for someone who has a lot of potential. And I don't think you're going to find much more potential than someone who's six eight, point guard like Kate Cunningham. And so. The best fit for me for him is to the the Detroit Pistons, because what don't the Detroit Pistons need? I mean, I mean truly, you can't tell me they have anything that going into the future you're like, yeah, that position's filled. They need everything. They're like they could get rid of their twelve man roster, and you wouldn't really miss anything. Look, they, they have some good players. Jeremy Grant's not awful, but he's not special. He's not he's not elite. He's not a game changer. Blake Griffin's contract needs to get out the door, which it will after next season. So, you know, I think Kate Cunningham is a great fit on that team because I think because I think he's not only an excellent player, but I think he's so exciting that it would actually give Detroit something to root for. It gives the Detroit something interesting to see because truly they have nothing right now. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest. I am not on the Cade hype train. I don't know what it is about him. He's a good. He's a good scorer. He's a. He's a good shooter, but he's not great, right? So I'm concerned that he could turn out to be like a like a Michael Carter Williams, right? That's kind of my comparison for him right now. Um, he's, and you know, he's hyped up to be a a, a great um, floor general. He sees things that most NBA players don't. He's averaging like, I believe, three assists a game, and that's concerning to me. Um, but you're right. No, you're right. They, The Pistons, if they have the first pick, they will absolutely take Cade Cunningham. There's there's no reason not to, although I do like Jonathan Kaminga a bit better. Uh, what I, You know, I think a lot of Oklahoma City Thunder fans are praying that they get the first pick and they get Cade because of the Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, and if the Pistons aren't the number one team that needs everything, I guess the Thunder could possibly be that second team that needs everything. Um, and I think he'd play great with Shea. So that's that's the one other team that I think he could be a great fit for. No, that that, that would make a lot of sense to me. But, you know, just to add some th- things to Kate Cunningham that I didn't mention before, he has a seven-foot wingspan, which is just wild for a point guard. You know, I like I said, I think he's a great playmaker. And, yes, his shooting is not great. His assist num- is not – his shooting number is not bad. There's not anything off the charts. His assist numbers are – 
not all that great, but Oklahoma State as a team is not exactly the most built up team to have someone to pass the ball to. And when you look at his comparisons, though, that's where I where I get excited. The his couple comparisons that I found are a stronger Sean Livingston with the jumper or a smaller Ben Simmons with a jumper. Mm, uh, I don't know. He's not the defender that Ben Simmons is. That's fine. The Pistons just need offense. They need everything. And so I just think, uh, look, I disagree with you. I think he's the best player in this class. I think there's a lot of special players, but I think in terms of the potential talent that a player has, I think Cade Cunningham stands out as at the top. And so I think it makes sense for Detroit to go with him, especially if they have that first overall pick. Yeah, you're right. And I just wanted to pull this up because I saw this the other day about the assist thing, right? He's averaging just under four, which is solid, right? But there is another guard in his team who's a shooting guard who is averaging more assists than him. That's concerning to me. I just want to leave that there. Yes. No, no, it's not. It's not perfect. He's not. He's not the best player in college basketball this season. But he is certainly special to watch. Yes, yes, I would agree with that. All right, last up, I've got Jalen Johnson out of Duke, and I think his perfect fit would be the Sacramento Kings. Speaking of Ben Simmons, Jalen reminds me so much of Ben Simmons, watching him handle the ball in transition. He always makes the right play. Um, But anyway, he's an excellent defender like Ben Simmons, and the Kings are one of, we talked about the Wizards, but they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Johnson is big, like big. At 6'9", he's averaging around two blocks a game for a small forward, power forward, and that's very impressive. Uh, he also plays a lot like uh, the Kings offense right now, fast pace, kind of like Fox likes to do. So I think he fits like a glove. He, he might not be the greatest shooter. Uh, he's better than Simmons, <laughs> which is the only thing, I think, that's keeping him from like a top five spot, a, a top five pick in the draft. Uh, the Kings are set. Right, the Kings are set when it comes to a guard spot. They've got they've got Fox and Halliburton, who looks to be very promising. And depending on how you feel about Buddy Heald as their uh, as their shooting guard long term, what they really need are wings right now. And Bagley's playing power forward, so we count him as a wing. Um, is he going to be there long term after his dad requested a trade for him on Twitter? Right, uh, I don't know. They they need a wing desperately, and I think e- uh, easily Jalen could become one of the best players in this class and you know if the, if the kings are there at five or six where he's projected to land i think you take him yeah so uh, i think uh, the sacramento kings could use just about everything except for guards i mean obviously with Darren fox and like you mentioned tyrese halliburton that that's something they don't really need jalen johnson doesn't really fit on a team with marvin bagley but like you said who knows how long Marvin Bagley will be there. It's probably getting close time to trade him. I would like to... Here's a name that will be picked later than the Kings pick will be. But Corey Kispert is a name that I think would make sense for the Sacramento, just because he can shoot. And they, they need a shooter. They, they desperately need shooting. I mean, Buddy Heald is just about their only shooter on the team. But maybe Jonathan Kaminga who's a little bit more of an athletic player than Jalen Johnson, nothing against Jalen Johnson, but he's more of a big man than he is an athletic wing to me. But I think he does fit. And I think 
I think I see a role he can easily play on the Kings and help them become a better team. You know, the Kings are one of those teams where, yeah, they have some pieces in place, but they just really need a lot. They're not close to contention. And I think it probably starts with the new coach. I'm not sure Luke Walton is the answer there, but more importantly than that, I think they need players and Jalen Johnson would make sense there. I think, you know, whether he starts or he has to back up Marvin Bagley for a year or two, I think he would be a solid player on that team. And, you know, what's interesting to note is the Kings took Marvin Bagley number two in a draft that two of the best player, young players in the NBA went right behind him and Trey Young and Luka Doncic and, you know, and, and Jaron Jackson went in between those two. So, you know, you look at it and the Kings really didn't get even close to the second best player in that draft they've, class. They've been historically one of the worst drafting teams. You can find some great videos on YouTube about how they've wasted like 20 lottery picks in the last Absolutely. Like, no, years. absolutely. I mean, look, you had one of the best centers in the NBA, arguably the best center in the NBA, and you did abs- didn't even make the playoffs with him. So, you know, that that's that's a great point. And so, you know, we can't even expect the Kings to make a good pick. I think we should expect them to make a bad pick. But if they do, I think Jalen Johnson would actually be a solid pick for their team. So that brings me to my fourth player. And this player has been inconsistent this season. Is is It's Zaire Williams. I'll start with that. Zaire Williams, Stanford. He's been inconsistent. But at his peak, he's as good as just about anybody I've seen in college basketball. When he's not playing well, he's a high-quantity low quality type player. And when I mean that, when I say that, I mean, he takes a lot of shots. He misses a lot more. So, but what I see is potential in him. And so the team I see he fits with is the Chicago Bulls. Chicago has a point guard right now in Colby Wade. I think he is their point guard moving into the future. He's had some great moments on Chicago so far. Again, another North Carolina guy, not your, not your favorite player, but then they have Zach Levine there, which Zach Levine's a good player, but I'm just not sure how he exactly fits on a roster that's actually trying to compete. He feels like some one of those guys that's more of a stat pattern to me because he's able to score a lot when he's the number one option. You don't really want Zach Levine to be your number one option. And then you have a couple big men who really are – up in the it's up in the air about their future. It feels like Larry Markinen from Arizona. Then you have Wendell Carter Jr. Both big men. Markinen can shoot a little bit, but he's he's been a solid player. Like don't get me wrong, he's put up double digit points, but he hasn't been the star that people thought he could be. So that's where I think Zaire Williams fits in though on this team. He fits somewhere in between those four players, in between Levine and White, in between Carter Jr. and Markinen as that small forward who's quite athletic and can score. And I, I think that's what they need. They need a, a, a great score. And I see think Zaire Williams can be that when he shoots the ball. Well, he's excellent. And when he does it, he's, he struggles mightily. But again, it's, it's one of those picks where I think you would have to develop his shooting a little bit, but if you did that, I think he would be a great fit right in the middle of that lineup. Yeah. Right now the bulls need a guy with high upside, a scorer, but like an efficient scorer, which Zaire's not right now, but he could be, right? I was shocked when they took Patrick Williams this year in the draft. 
I, I think yes. he, that really no, limits them. I, I don't see him as a starting... There's, they've been starting him at small forward. I don't see him as a starting small forward in the NBA ever, really. I see him yeah, as a no, good that, that didn't make, so that, that Sorry, I completely <laughs> forgot about that. Like, that pick didn't make sense to me. I'm not really sure how he fit. I, I know he rose up a lot of draft boards, but truly didn't. When you had other players on the board, yeah, it, it didn't. And you make... know what? He's been fine, but that's it. He's been fine. That's it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And here's one interesting thing to note. You're right. Zaire Williams needs to be a lot more efficient as a scorer because right now Zaire Williams is shooting 36% from the field, but he's shooting 32% from three. That's not terrible. No. But the shooting from the field is awful. 36% is is a good three-point shooting percentage. It is not a good free, uh, field goal percentage. So he's certainly going to need to work on becoming more efficient. But like, like you said, I think he provides that high upside at 6'8", just a really good player. It'll be interesting to see where he actually goes and ends up going in the draft. But I think... I think Chicago would be a place that he could really make an impact and potentially even make an impact early on. So let's move on from that. We will go to, we will go to our second edition of ranking the conferences by a position today. We are looking at shooting guards. Actually for shooting guards. It's interesting. Daniel and I have a lot of consensus on these rankings. I think these ones are pretty easy but we will run through them. We will talk about why. Do you want to start off with your number five, Daniel? Yeah, number five is going to surprise a ton of people. I've actually got the American Athletic Conference, the AAC, getting some love today. Um, only three players, but these are some good, solid players. We got uh, Van Vliet out of Wichita State, who had one of the best, you know, historic regular season games. Was it last night, two nights ago? Yeah, a, a couple nights ago. fantastic game. Landry Shamit, also out of Wichita State, who's been a great role player. And Will Barton, who's kind of been that heart and soul of uh, that Denver Nuggets team for a while out of Memphis. And you know, it might be a, a bit underwhelming at five, uh, but these guys are all proven winners. Van Vliet is a champion. Uh, Will Barton, like I said, is the heart and soul of the Nuggets. He, he has that kind of Marcus Smart, Draymond Green role for them, and they've been pretty successful the last few years. And then Landry Shamit. Look at the teams he's played for. He's played for the 76ers, the Clippers, the Nets. Those have all been really successful teams. He's been a solid bench contributor, uh, and he's been a shooter for those teams. So that means that I left out the Big 12, which has Buddy Heald out of Oklahoma, Avery Bradley out of Texas, Kelly Oubre out of Kansas. Uh, the reason I picked the AAC over them is just these guys aren't winners. They, they haven't proven to me that they can win. Oubre's been... Seriously struggling to start the season. I know he's been heating up. I saw he had like 22 points at, at half today. Um, Ubre's been struggling. Heald hasn't done much. He kind of just chucks up shots, which he's really good at. And then Avery Bradley, he's been fine. Uh, he's never really on the court when it matters most, but there you go. My number five. Well, you mentioned Kelly Ubre Jr., and he is part of the conference that is my number five. You mentioned them. It's the Big 12. I, I agree the AAC has some good players, but but I think the talent level in the Big 12 is just a little bit higher. I mean, look, not nothing against the AAC, but I think Buddy Heald's a solid NBA player. And I think Kelly Oubre, while he has struggled mightily this season, 
he is a good player, and I think he's getting back to that. I mean, you mentioned he had 22 at halftime. He has 34 right now. He's their leading scorer as the Warriors are probably going to beat the Mad Mavericks. And I don't get me wrong, the Mavericks are nothing special, but Kelly Oubre Jr. is 5 of 7 from 3 tonight. So He's blowing a lot of kisses tonight. Exactly. And so it, he is a solid player on in the NBA. Uh, I think, you know, he's had to bounce around a little bit and it's been a slow start to the season, but overall he's a good player. And then Avery Bradley, you talk about not established winners. Avery Bradley is just the opposite. He has established himself as a winner. He was a solid player on a Boston team. And you're going to be like, well, they never made it to the final. Yeah, they never made it to the finals because they didn't have anything. I mean, we're, we're going to say Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley were supposed to lead a team to the finals. It was no, a fantastic but, team. But but it was a great team, and Avery Bradley was right in the middle of that. And then last season, he led the Lakers to the number one seed. Whoa, whoa, I would not say led. I would not he say not he... Led. he was He was a part of that team. He was a leader on defense. You sure. can't say he was. Sure, I'll give you He's that. He was a leader on defense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so those three players coming in at number five, it wasn't exactly a deep number five pick no i agree there just really wasn't there a lot there and i think the distinction between them and like the other conferences there's a significant gap there um which brings us to number four and i think from here on out we have the same picks probably uh, yeah because i don't i don't i just think there's clear distinctions between almost everyone but even more so um once you get to the top, but uh, for number four, I have the big 10. You do as well. Correct. Yes. And I have them because of, you know, truly actually it's okay. So there's Victor Oladipo and then it's Michigan. I mean, when you look at it, like it's Victor Oladipo. And then for me, it's Michigan. I mean, you have Karis Lever, you have Tim Hardaway jr. You have Duncan Robinson, all Michigan shooting guards, all players that have turned into solid NBA players. I think Duncan Robinson's clearly the biggest surprise on that list. I don't think anyone would have expected him to become what he has, but he has become a very nice shooting guard for the Miami Heat. And yes, Victor Oladipo leads the way as as actually what I would consider not a star that can lead a team to a championship, but a star that can lead a team and, and can do it quite well. I think we saw that. And he has, yeah in Indianapolis um, and Indiana for the Pacers. So that that's my number four. I'll let you go on a little bit. Yeah, I've, I've got the Big Ten at four. Um, like you said, Oladipo out of Indiana, but also Eric Gordon out of Indiana. <clears throat> and then, like you said, we got Lavert, Duncan Robinson, Tim Hardaway Jr. from Michigan. But also you've got Kevin Herter from Maryland, and he's been disappointing, Gary Harris from Michigan State. <clears throat> um, so I, big, the Big Ten didn't make my list for point guards uh, two weeks ago. So they land here at number four, and you know, you know this is a solid group of players. I wouldn't say you touched on this. I wouldn't say any of them are really all stars, but but they're close. They're all solid players, and you, there's a significant difference from four to five. I would say. Uh, absolutely no. I that, I think that's clear. So you want to take number three then? Yeah, three. I've got the AAC or the ACC, and I think you do too. So we've got Donovan Mitchell from Louisville, Malik Beasley from Florida State. Lonnie Walker from Miami, Nikhil Alexander-Walker from Virginia Tech, Danny Green and Wayne Ellington from UNC. And then we've got a whole lot of Dukies. We've got R.J. Barrett, Luke Kennard, Seth Curry, uh, J.J. Redick, Cam Reddish, Gary Trent Jr., and Rodney Hood. 
So Yikes. for the ACC, the talent might not be there, but there's a whole lot of depth. And if there's one thing, if there's one thing we can take away from this, it's that Duke produces a ton of backup shooting guards. That's it. Yeah, I was about to say, what were you going? Duke's produces a ton of because they're not starters; they're backups, and they're my number three as well. Uh, again, I think there's a gap between them and any everyone else higher. Although, I think our number one conference stands out above the rest clearly. Uh, like you said, I think Duke has a bunch of guys. I think Donovan Mitchell probably is the headliner mm-hmm. um, for this group. You know, he's become a star in the NBA. But then, like you said, I think a lot of other guys are just solid role players on a team. And I think a bunch of shooters. I mean, I think that's what stands out here. I mean, you have Seth Curry, you have Danny Green, you have Luke Kennard, you have Rodney Hood, who is was a good 3-and-D player. He's fallen off slightly since then. You have J.J. Redick. Cam Reddish, I feel like his potential is a 3-and-D player. I mean, obviously, he was a top player coming out of high school, but I don't think he's considered by anyone a potential top player now. So, you know, there's a bunch of solid players on that team. There's more solid players there than the Big Ten, and that's why they're ranked ahead. I wouldn't say that anyone, besides... Donovan Mitchell standing out above someone like Victor Oladipo. I don't think there's anything different between all the rest of the guys in the ACC and the Big Ten. I just think there's more of them, and that's why they're going to be ranked higher. So that brings us to number two, and I think this is where we start to see some more star power. And for my number two, which is also your number two, it's the SEC. And the SEC has some of the better shooting guards in the NBA. I mean, that's what happens when you get to the number two conference. You know, I think it's led by Devin Booker. I think we can agree that he's probably the best player on that list. But Bradley Beal, in my opinion, is a close second. I think he's a really solid player. You know, he's been on some really bad teams without anything around him. And then you just, you have players that are up and coming, like Colin Sexton and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who I think, you know, People in the NBA are really looking forward to seeing how they become stars in the league because I think they definitely can be. And then you have some and, – and Tyler Hero is another name to add to that list. And then, you know, you have a couple role players. One I'll mention is Josh Richardson, who was a solid player on Miami before going to Philadelphia. Now he's on Dallas. So he's moved around a bit, but he's a solid player, like some of those guys in the Big Ten and the Big 12. Yeah. Or not the Big 12, the Big the, Ten and the ACC. Right. So I've got the SEC at two, got Bradley Beal out of Florida, and then a lot of Kentucky guys got Devin Booker, like you said, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Tyler Hero, all out of Kentucky. Then Colin Sexton, Alabama, Josh Richardson, Tennessee, like you mentioned. And then we've also got some other guys who are flying under the radar a bit, Jordan Clarkson from Zoo, KCP, who's now a champion, out of Georgia. And then I threw in P.J. Dozier, who's carved out a nice role for himself from South Carolina on the Nuggets. And again, Kentucky dominates like always in the NBA, but there are also some guys like like Beal out of Florida and Sexton out of Alabama from some different schools, which is nice to see. And and, and you nailed it. Uh, the SEC has a ton of young shooting guards right now in the NBA who are who are just scratching the surface of their potential. Uh, and in a year or two, like I wouldn't be surprised if the SEC is number one. I, I wouldn't. I, could I think that's see a little it. too much to ask because, at least in my opinion, there is too big of a gap. Uh, our number one conference for shooting guards is 
in in my opinion, you may disagree, is far and away the Pac-12. I would say right now, but I, there are some guys in the Pac-12 that, you know, are only getting older. Um, but there are also young guys in there, too. I mean, I mean, I think when you look at it, it'll be interesting to see for sure. And it'll also be interesting to see where players like Zaire Williams end up playing in the NBA because he could be considered one of those shooting guards and add to the Pac-12 legacy. But the Pac-12 is number one, and it, Right now, it's just a bunch of stars. I mean, you have James Harden, you have Clay Thompson, Zach Levine. We touched on him earlier. He's a good player. Drew Holiday, another good player. Jalen Brown is developing into a star. Then you have good role players. I have, you know, Dylan Brooks out of Oregon. He was a great shooter. Then he's still a solid shooting guard, um, you know, can hit a three when he, you needed to. And then you have players like Norman Powell and Derek White. I just think that overall they're solid class well-rounded too. you have stars you have a couple young players that are developing most mainly Jalen Brown and then you have some role players yeah yep you touched on everyone I think that I had um it's a great well-rounded group of guys you got stars you got up-and-coming players you got some great role players Harden ASU Jalen Brown Cal Clay Thompson Washington State Zach Levine UCLA Dylan Brooks like you mentioned Oregon Norman Powell UCLA and then Derek White uh Colorado and Terrence Ross I don't know if you mentioned Terrence Ross he's out of Washington He's had a fine season. He's putting up stats. Uh, this one was close. I, I honestly do think it was kind of close. Um, but what I like the most is that these guys come from a wide variety of schools versus, like, just Kentucky. Yeah, uh, so you've absolutely. Got, you've got the star power in Harden, and that's hard to argue against. Brown Brown is legit this year. Like, if there was any question last year, like, Brown's legit. I know the voting, uh, some returns came out today, and Brown was, like, fourth. He should be a starter this year. He's probably the best guard in the East right now, playing consistently and on a somewhat of a winning team. I know the Celtics are kind of struggling now. Um, but yeah, and then you've got some solid, impactful role players like Derek White, who had a great game a few like a week ago maybe. Terrence Ross, I don't know how impactful he is, but he is a role player. Role player. <laughs> and then Powell, Powell's been starting actually, and so is Brooks, but... They're best served as, you know, a bench player. But a yeah. solid group of guys. No, absolutely. I think, in my opinion, they stand out above the rest. And like you said, very well-rounded class from a lot of different schools. Uh, and, you know, one, one name that we'll touch on probably next time we do this segment is DeMar Rosen, And he was formerly a shooting guard yeah. in Toronto now moved small forward and i think you know out of usc i mean i think he would have just bolstered this group and there's an argument to be made that he is a shooting guard although yeah. he's not really i would playing he's a natural right shooting guard i don't know why the spurs because they've got a lot of short guards really yeah young absolutely. guards and they want but he, he really is a shooting guard and if he if we counted him as a shooting guard i agree far and away the best no no discussion yeah so oh. with that let's move on to to uh, under the it. spotlight yep so this week on under the spotlight we decided to go with yukon it's actually a funny story i was texting eli i was like what do you think this week yukon and we were both like yeah that sounds great little little did we know so we go both to look up and i was absolutely shocked to see yukon only has four active players in the nba right now um so those players are andre drummond jeremy lamb kemba walker and rudy gay and then Shabazz Napier is a free agent, but somebody should really pick him up because he had some great games on the Wizards last year, and yeah, he's still got a lot of game left in him. Um, so to move on, to actually to UConn, 
Um, it's about to have another NBA player, believe it or not. Only four. Absolutely. They're about to having a, to have another uh, in the draft this this year. Whenever it is, June, July, August. What was it? November this year. Um, so they're about to have another guy. James Booknight is a guaranteed lottery pick. I guarantee it. He, he's gonna be a lottery pick. Um, he's playing lights out, averaging twenty point three points per game. I I don't. There isn't a team that wouldn't want him on their roster. Um, I also want to make sure that I mention Hashim Thabit. I know that might trigger some people. Who was drafted second overall in the two thousand nine draft out of UConn, ahead of guys like, believe it or not, Steph Curry. James Harden, DeMar DeRozan, and Drew Holiday. Let that sink in. Out of UConn, Hashim Thabit. Um, Shabi- uh, Thabit was in the league um, for what, what was six years, maybe? Uh, he was out of the league by 2014. Uh, but the weird thing is that UConn in the last decade or so has experienced a ton, a ton of success as a program. They won the national championship in 2014 with Napier. Also in 2011 with Walker, Lamb, and Napier, and in 2004. So what's strange is that most of these guys haven't experienced tremendous success in the NBA like they did in college. And so guys like Walker have been stuck on a horrible, losing Bobcats, Hornets team for the longest time. Andre Drummond, sorry, he isn't going to win your team any games. Um, I guess it just goes to show that Winning in college doesn't translate to the NBA. Uh, th- these four active players, I looked this up, they have 11 combined postseason appearances. That's that's horrible. That's awful for four guys combined. Uh, and it's just so weird to me because UConn, like, they've had players in the NBA in the past who have, like, won, like, legitimate, you know, championships. Like, Ray Allen's a two-time champion. Richard Hamilton's a champion. Maybe Kemba Walker will change that this year and win with the Celtics. Who knows? Okay, okay, okay. Too much. You're done. You're done. All you right. Stop talking now because the Celtics is too much. Uh, that that That's a stretch and a half. That is wishful thinking. That is a sizzling hot take. But you're right. For all the success UConn has had, they really don't produce NBA talent. That 2011 championship team did produce talent. And besides that, no one else has. I mean, their 2014 championship, uh, now in fairness, when you look at that championship, they were not a high seed. They were, what, six, seven, eight, somewhere. I think they were in the seven, eight range. So it's not exactly surprising that that team didn't generate a lot of NBA talent. But like you mentioned, they don't really have much. If you think about it, if you add book night to the guys that are already in the NBA, That'd be a nice starting lineup for like yeah. an eight seed. I mean, I mean, Kemba Walker, Jeremy Lamb, Rudy Gay, Book Knight, Andre Drummond. That's a full, yeah, well, that's a full lineup. I, I was about to say that. Like, well, that's what I, that's the only thing I see from this. You know, you you have a, a, a well-rounded lineup in a, a certain way too. There's not much here, but I think that's I think the biggest takeaway, like you mentioned, is so much success from UConn. Very little came out of it. You know, if you look back at past players, I mean, I think there is something to take away there. Uh, big men has been something they've been somewhat successful in producing, and I guess so is point guards. You know, you look at someone like Emeka Okafor, and then Charlie Villanueva, and now Villanueva. Andre Drummond. That Those are three big men that have been serviceable in the NBA. Andre Drummond has been an all-star. And then point guards, you have Kemba Walker, you have... Uh, um, 
shoot, Shabazz Napier. Mm -hmm. And then I guess in terms of if you want to just go general guards, you can add Jeremy Lamb to that list. So like those seem to be somewhat of the trends from UConn. But I think, like you said, the biggest trend is success in college is not translated to the NBA at all. Yeah. So with that, let's move on to the final segment. My favorite segment, Where'd He Go?, where we test each other's knowledge of NBA players and where they went to college. Right now, we're both tied at 3-3. Yep. Three and three. We're tied 3-3. Three, three. This week. That'll change we'll, right now. This week will determine. Well, we still could be tied after this. But this week will we'll determine who probably has a winning record going in. So let's hear. Give me your best shot right now. All I'm right. For you might get this one. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., where'd he go? Missouri, oh, because no. because here, here here's the funny story behind this one. So he was committed to Washington, but then I believe Cal's coach, which I'm a big was a big Cal fan before coming to USC. Cal's coach left to go coach at Missouri, and on his way to Missouri, he hired Michael Porter Jr.'s dad as an assistant coach. And so he picked him up. But of course, Michael Porter Jr. got hurt in the first game. Right. I thought you'd forget. Most people forget because he played like two games. And then played in the NCAA tournament for a couple minutes in a loss. It was a disappointing season. Now, Missouri is quite good this year, actually. Yeah. A solid team. Uh, And, you know, of course, Jonte Porter, Michael Porter Jr.'s brother, also came through the program. But, yeah, no, Michael Porter Jr. is a player well-known. He was a top prospect coming out of high school. And, frankly, I think he can turn into a solid NBA player as well. So I will give you my first name. This one you might get. Actually, there's no chance you don't get it. Oh, actually, I changed it. Sorry. Chris Boucher. Chris Boucher. Center. Oh man, and he, he, I, I feel like he's a foreign player too. Oh no, he's from Canada. Yeah, okay, that was. College. Oh gosh, he went to college. Yes, he did. There's he was no on way. one of my favorite teams. I'll give you a hint. Actually, he was on a Final Four team. That. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's got to be some really obscure team. No, no, I, I want to say East Coast. He went to. Mm, Virginia. I'm gonna say Virginia. I don't think that's it. Nope, the answer was Oregon. He went to the University of Oregon. I, never I was going to give you Dylan Brooks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you know Dylan yeah, Brooks I went do. to Oregon. Yeah, yeah. But I was going to give you Dylan Brooks. I would have gotten that. But then because we were doing shooting guards earlier today, I yeah. said, i got to give him something a little tougher. Bad idea. So, so Chris Boucher went to the University of Oregon. That's a good Oregon. one. All right. And, and, and he actually got hurt on their run to the Final Four. Huh. But he was a very solid player in college. He could shoot threes and also was a great player he's a, inside. He's so. a great player in the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next up, I've got Jeremy Grant. Where'd he go? Are we talking about the one on the Pistons? Yes. Okay. Because there was another, I think it was Jeremy Grant, who went to Notre Dame. Yes, yes, I remember him. But this Jeremy Grant didn't, and I don't know where he went. I had to look it up. I'm going to go with Kansas State. Oh, good guess. Syracuse. Okay. I had no idea. Yeah. No, I That's a weird one. And he's having a great season. I think we we mentioned him earlier. You know, he's having a great breakout season, but I'm not sure he's really uh, uh, an all-star like some people are saying. Yeah. No, I'm not sure either. So my next one is a 
I guess backup center on the Bulls. Sorry to go with that for you, but uh, I'm a big fan of his. I was a big fan of his in college. Daniel Gafford. Ooh, okay, wait, wait, wait. I get two of these guys confused, wait, and I think I know the answer. I, I For whatever reason, I get Daniel Gafford and, and Luke Cornett confused, and I believe that Cornett is the... You said Gafford, right? Yes, I, I don't even know that, where Cornett went. I believe Cornett went to Vanderbilt, and I think that Gafford went to Arkansas. That is correct. Yes! Yes. Oh, yes, Daniel Gafford did go to Arkansas. I think he played in the NCAA tournament one year with them, but overall yeah. a solid player. That's a good one. I should not have gotten At that. At Arkansas, of course. Yeah. No, so you know what? I'll go next. Okay. Just go back to back. Another big man. This one, see, you, you're you going to know him. I just don't know if you'll know where he went to college. Mitchell Robinson. Oh, no. And I feel like I just heard this. Um... Oh, wait. Okay, I'm thinking either... This isn't my guess. I'm thinking either Kansas or Syracuse. And I feel... It's one of those. I know it's one of those. Right? You know what? I'm just going to tell you you're going to get it wrong. I give you a really tricky one. Oh, he didn't go He didn't go to college, did he? He was committed to Western Kentucky, but then he skipped college. He was oh. a five-star recruit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> But he was committed to Western Kentucky. So if you had said Western Kentucky, I would have given you the right answer. Or had you said skip college, also would have given you the right answer. All right. All right. You had two potential answers for that one. So you can say it's harder, but I'll tell you it's easier because you had double the answers. All right. I'll give you that one. My final guy, I don't think you'll get this. You've definitely heard of him. Jared Dudley. He's been trending, actually, because I think he called out out someone. Uh, Paul George, I think. Oh, goodness. I, I feel like he's a – to me, he feels like a Big 12 guy. Let's see. Shoot. Like, this one's actually tough because he's one of those older players. Yeah, he hasn't been – it's been a while. But Big 12 – I got to stop going Big 12. I already guessed that. So I'm going to say – let's see. I feel like – Maybe Pitt, ACC? That is a really good guess. You're wrong. It was Boston College. Very close, though. That was a good guess. Oh, wow. Hey, major city in the ACC. Yeah. Hey. So we both got one, right? We're both. We're tied at four and five, which, frankly, we need to start doing better. But that's on us. So that is all for today. We will be back next week with another episode of Into the Fray. For Daniel, I'm Eli. So long.